try not to cause any near car crashes this week. Welcome to Hand the Pod. because I got some feedback from a, an American listener during the week who was slightly staggered that the uh, native Argentine among us came out with an almost, in his words, almost perfect, in Seba's words, faultless rendition of the Monday Night Football theme during the last episode. And uh, he told me that he, he listens to the podcast whilst driving home from work. Um, unfortunately, he was at a red light <laughs> when Seba <Sarah> did that. <laughs> So we've not caused any deaths this week. We hope not to cause any of this uh, uh, w- with this episode either. We can't guarantee anything. Nice no. things happen. We, we can't promise, but we should possibly issue some kind of legal disclaimer about how Hunter Pod can't be held responsible for any traffic accidents that may ensue whilst you're listening. Uh, I'm Sam Kelly. You've already heard Dan Edwards' voice. Hello. Uh, I'm joined as well by Argentine Seba Garcia, an American football fan. Hola, I knew he was stopped uh, at the red light, so that's why I, I, I decided to sing. Yeah, Otherwise, I wouldn't. A beautiful wouldn't singer and apparently psychic. Yeah, of course. Yeah. No, we, we know his route home from work, and uh, not that we're watching him or anything. <laughs> and Australian Dan Simone is also here, already slightly the worse for wear after having a very long and late lunch. Yeah, uh, hi, and, and shout out to my, my main lunch companions, uh, Maddie Chesterton and co. <laughs> The lunch started at 2pm, it's now 8 o'clock. Quarter to 8, yeah. Uh, Dan, I've been drinking solidly since. <laughs> well, actually, I think you started drinking at 11, didn't you, Dan? No, well, no I, I woke up at about 1.30 and... and <laughs> <laughs> so apologies in advance. Yeah, he arrived and he gestured towards the, the, the crowd. Yep. Can, you, can you explain what he did, more or less, Dan? It's kind of the gesture that we see in all um, Argentine football stadiums. It's <laughs> sort of like a... Uh, for a better way of putting it, like a moving Hitler salute, they do. <laughs> like that, that they're doing on the television. Exactly, like, yeah. Uh, we should clarify. Yeah, he grabbed one of the one forbidden body part. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, just to clarify why I've just said that, Argentinos Juniors against Tigre in round nine of the uh, Torneo Apertura is going on as we, as we record round eight, thank you, Dan. I'm thinking a week ahead because I've been writing the previews all week. Uh, due to this midweek followed by, almost immediately followed by a weekend round of matches, we, uh, we didn't have time to record earlier on in the week. And originally when we were uh, agreed to record this, it was going to be Independiente's visit to Atletico Rafaela taking place at the moment, which was going to be the last match of the round. Annoyingly, um, we're going to be finishing recording during the first half of Boca Juniors versus Estudiantes, with Boca being the side currently top of the table uh, so all we can tell you is that after round 8 of the Apertura is finished Boca will be top of the table still because they're a point clear they're not going to drop down on goal difference or anything but we can't tell you what the result of that Estudiantes game was although given Estudiantes form Boca will probably win uh, anyway guys we do have two rounds all, well almost two rounds one one and three quarter rounds or whatever of action to catch up on um, as well as a uh, match to, to look forward to as well this weekend. But first of all, the national team, Alejandro Sabella, having already named his first squad for Argentina and, and then his first domestic squad for Argentina, has now named his first competitive Argentina squad because the World Cup qualifiers get underway in the Estadio Monumento, a second division stadium. I uh, don't know why they've chosen it. Um, against uh, home to Chile on what day? The 7th. The 7th. October. Thank you. Um, We've got the list here in front of us, or, well, sort of alongside us, Seven now has it in front of him. Mm-hmm. Are there any real, kind of really big inclusions or exclusions that we can draw from this guy? Well, it's just been named uh, in the last couple of hours. Yeah, I think the confirmation that Sabela agrees with most of us, and he's not calling Tevez, I don't know, I, I, I agree with the fact that Tevez... No, I agree. Yeah, I can't... You know, the way he's playing, he's not getting regular football for Man City at the moment, although I think he's just come back in the team, so I don't think you can really argue with that decision. 
I think the interesting thing with this squad is how they're gonna how the midfield is gonna line up because mm. supposedly he's gonna Seb, you were saying he's gonna bring in uh, domestic players as well. Yeah, because he we gave have 24 names here at the moment. He announced the list with the players from European clubs because of the rules. He had to, he has to give the clubs uh, notice mm. enough notice, and I think it's 15 days or something. And then he has more time to to call up players from the domestic league and and I think he will do so he called 24 players from Europe but he, he said he, he was going to name more players than he needs just to cover for potential injuries there will be matches being played in between his uh, squad announcement and the actual game against Chile so he's covering for just in case and I'm thinking a few of these guys will probably not uh, join the team Face, we know in a chat that he's, he said that he likes uh, he likes the Sosa Messi uh, Iwain combination and Jonas Gutierrez as well. I know I didn't say that. So I know what about. Um, but I think with the, yeah, the as I said, the interesting thing is how he's going to line up in the midfield because Mastiano we know is missing for the first one through suspension. So I, I saw that Lucho Gonzalez didn't get the call up after being included against uh, Venezuela. Yeah, there's no. There's no Lucho and only one Inter player, uh, which is Ricky Alvarez, and all the rest, Samuel, Sanetti, Diego Milito, Cambiaso, are nowhere to be seen in this well, clearly, not list. Samuel's still coming back to full fitness, but... Yeah. The strange that, especially Cambiaso is not there in that Mascherano is, is missing for the first one. So who, who do you think he's going to play as, as his number five, his defensive midfielder? Well, I think Hector Canteros has a, has a decent case uh, to... To make after I mean, this is one of the domestic players who yeah. expects Abella to be calling up. Yeah, he, he played a great game against Brazil uh, in this first leg of the Super Clásico de las Americas uh, competition, mm-hmm. and the second leg is coming na- next week on Wednesday, and Sabella will name this the squad on Sunday for the, for that particular game. We, we should and actually, so I'm just going to pull you up slightly, Sabella, because I only found out last week that the official name of that uh, comp- competitive friendly double header is in Portuguese, not Spanish. So Super Clásico das Américas. Super Clásico das Américas. Carry on. No, and Sabela after the game against Brazil had only good words to say about good things to say about Canteros. Mm. And he, said he, he doesn't like to single out players but he actually and then he went on to single out Canteros and he's been Canteros has been the buzzword in, in, in the press and uh, in the centre midfield like a re- he played really well the sort of spraying passes and, and basically being the playmaker of Argentina yeah, that was a, a curious curious thing that happened because during the game I said half jokingly half meaning it I said that Canteros was doing a pirlo for Argentina exactly, he was yeah. playing that sort of role from from centre midfield but organising as well it's also uh, I, I was thinking um, it's very interesting given that Seba Beron only didn't play because he had to drop out due to injury and Canteros potentially wouldn't have started had Beron been fit no. yeah, uh, so for Canteros really to step up because it's not as if anybody was picking him out as you know one of the best players in the league no, no, or, talking about Meles or anything yeah. he was overshadowed by Meles as other players the three have gone to Europe even still, though uh, Augusto Fernandes was always got kind of yeah. more of a press mm-hmm. than Canteros so so. suddenly Canteros has, has exploded yeah. and has to be yeah. The yeah, then Canteros uh, had an assist for Augusto Fernandez on Sunday mm. uh, for for Vélez when when they play News Old Boys yeah. and it was one all and, and that goal mm-hmm. for Vélez came courtesy of a glorious assist from Tito Canteros mm. and so I think this game against Brazil will be probably like a casting for for Cantero to <coughs> to see if he can start in the film when 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 Argentina face Chile. So I mean, one player I, I'm wondering about from the domestic league who very well could get a shout out or a call up is uh, Riquelme because he's in excellent form at the moment he didn't play on Wednesday against Brazil for kind of the same reasons as Varane he wasn't physically fit but in the domestic league I mean Boca Boca first unbeaten and Riquelme at times has looked as good as he ever ever has yeah 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 absolutely he can definitely at least get a shout out uh, call up to the squad yeah there were some words about Verón and, and, and Riquelme these two have always have a lot of people against them yeah. as well as lots of fans but uh, they they were they, they, they didn't want to play for Argentina uh, in these games against Brazil or at least in the first leg 
just to save themselves and, and of course, yeah, just they to need preserve a weekend match co- a week a midweek co- match yeah. coming up yeah it made sense because they're not spring chickens by any means so actually they, they were they weren't actually injured but they were just yeah it was kind of muscular discomfort they dressed it up as but they were tired basically you know yeah. spread, I don't know if they had the need to dress it up uh, no. Sabella understands the, the, yeah. that the domestic league has to take priority over the domestic national side, I think, which is one of the things that I'm enjoying about his management. Uh, he's not trying to put too much importance on these domestic friendlies. Yeah. No, he, he is in a way because, of course, he, he doesn't want to lose. And, and no, of course, but he, he's not doing it to the detriment of the club competition, the, hmm. you know, the, the league that we talk about every week. Hmm. He, he's not saying, no, these players have to play this, and if that means they're too tired to play at the weekend then balls to it He's we should mention that we and if we talked about was it since last week that, that they've played because we, yeah, we, we expected them to get hammered yeah. by Brazil and, and they didn't they it was 0-0 yeah. Yeah. they gave a good account second half Brazil were much better um, but if you if you consider that Neymar is worth almost Million now almost as yeah. much as the entire squad Argentina easily had more, yeah. or easily more or maybe double mm. and then you had to add Ronaldinho Leandro Damiano yeah. and I, I think uh, I think Sabela outcoached Mano Meneses which was the opposite to what was happening with, mm, with right. Batista he yeah. was getting outcoached by every single manager yeah. you should mention Juan Manuel Martinez who was the other player apart from Canteros who was just outstanding in the yeah. match yeah. and yeah. really yeah. looks world class uh, for a guy in the domestic league yeah. unfortunately not substituted was it during the first half with an uh, it was the second half yeah, yeah. it was early but he, he, he didn't yeah. catch most of the game as you yeah. look no, and it's, it's one of those cases in which as, as soon as the players feel a bit of a, a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, they they, they, yeah, yeah, they ask to be substituted yeah. just not to risk. Uh, yeah, maybe if he, if, if it was really a competitive game, a World Cup mm. or Copa America, yeah. they would probably try it a bit more. Not Boselli because he got a se- yeah. real injury. It was a terror, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's gonna miss twenty or but more days. Going back to my question, what do you? Who, yeah. How do you think the midfield is gonna line up? Because we, so we know Sosa is playing probably. Yeah. Gago is not there. Interesting there. Uh, yeah. Um, well, difficult to say from that group. It looks like they are missing a a player in that team, which will be filled with a domestic player. Because I think we can say Bonega will probably start as kind uh, of a hold, more of a holding midfielder. Yeah, yeah it's going to be him or Ronaldo. It has to be because we yeah, expect no other Ronaldo as well. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a tricky one. Yeah, Astori uh, might might even get um, get a nod it also depends on the the, the tactics and course, the formation yeah. he wants to use if he's going with the 3-5-2 he's been using and then you can well 3-5-2 which could be also 5-3-2 depending yeah. we, we, we've been saying this is very flexible in that regard but one thing that really stands out for me is that he called up two natural left backs in Marcos Rojo and Emiliano Insua mm. And then on the on the on the right he can play Zabaleta he can play Burdizo who's who has some ex- experience there even Nicolas Pareja could do that um, so I'm, and maybe he can call Pichut from the local league yeah. or someone from the local league uh, just to have a natural born right back yeah and then well moving up on on the field I mean we've been talking about who's gonna cover for Mascherano I think Canteros has the uh, the, the upper hand yeah, here. Yeah, the net of capabilities enough to, to cover that position. Well, I more think of a number eight normally, which is more of a kind of box to box player, let's say, than in, in the English. Uh, the yeah, no, that um, I think Canteros did quite well defensively as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, and uh, and and but but if you look at the list, the the, the, the player that is more similar to Mascherano of all this list he gave is, is Fabian Rinaldo um, I, 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 I lost track on him since he joined Sporting Lisboa I haven't seen him play and yeah, last year he was, but he was, yeah, yeah, he was, was one of the best of the bunch along with uh, Lucas Castro and yes. Luciano Oed who also was in the local squad he's uh, on the Racing substitute bench at the moment but those three were kind of the pick of uh, not particularly great bunch for Gimnasia so in the middle it could be Jonas, Gutierrez on the left, Banega on the right, Canteros in the middle, or Rinaldo. I got a feeling it's going to be Rinaldo, that's my impression. Just as a more defensive guy with a bit of experience, I don't know. We shall have to see, I guess. And then up, up front, it will be Messi, Iwain, and Sosa. Because 
Sabela said it. What? Not because we will yeah. play Sosa instead of Aguero, for example. Or Di Maria. Or, well, I, I, will, I will. At least Di Maria is not in the starting lineup. Um, I was just opining before we started recording that Di Maria is. And then, interesting also the interesting call up is uh, Palacio, who uh, has been in the, in the team for a long time. Yeah, uh, he's been playing very well for. Mm. Eduardo Salvio and Rodrigo Palacio are surprises in my opinion like well Salvio was in the I, first squad as well yeah but I, it's not like you think about Salvio every time you're no. expecting a new list mm. and maybe in the future when he gets fit and, and he's playing again Lisandro Lopez will be favourite to take a I place I think is, is quite a mm. fan of uh, Licha I hope so yeah. <laughs> I hope so and then for when it comes to the, the, the rivals Brazil they named the squad today and Leandro Damiano will miss because of injury mm. but Neymar uh, Neymar and Ronaldinho will be there Fred will come back to, to the team Borges from Santos he's he's the top scorer in the Brazilian league at the moment yeah, he's been half of yeah. fantastic player as well Borges, yeah. I say yeah. he's a fan of the great Argentine writer <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's in the script the, this is the the domestic the domestic yeah. uh, not the Chile super classic yeah, yeah, yeah. and when it comes to Chile yeah, they named the, 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 the squad as well yeah. for so the World Cup no Alexis players. Sanchez of Alexis is injured yeah, yeah. but uh, from that Suazo made it Bosejur mm-hmm. um, yeah Suazo and also like I think basically Su- uh, Sanchez's kind of main replacement is uh, Eduardo Vargas mm-hmm. he plays for Universidad Universidad de Chile like very kind of talented young player I think he's 21 or 22 and he scored a few goals in the, in the local league because um, Universidad de Chile have won I think it could even be like 8 out of 8 this year so far mm. and also he scored he scored a couple in the Sudamericano as well so he's definitely a talent like one to watch and if he gets a game against Argentina it's only going to help his kind of profile in that so right. yeah Chile they could definitely spring a surprise in Argentina. Like they've got the players to do it. The team. Knows it would even hardly be a surprise these days. I and mean, we saw in I the, think in the football. Copa America. It would surprise me. No, it would surprise me. Yeah, this is in the World Cup. Yeah. Well, it's a different kind of thing to the Copa America. Like, and, and now that Argentina is so much more pressure. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah, that's the main reason. Yeah. Argentina have to start as favourites, like, but yeah. Chile could spring a surprise. Uh, if we can, I'm sure we'll uh, preview the Chile game in a bit more detail, slightly closer to the time. But we'll move on now. I'll, I'll play a little bit of music first of all, and then we'll move on to talking about the local league. One and nine tenths of uh, out of two rounds to review now because whilst we were talking about first part, uh, Argentinos Juniors against Tigre finished one nil to Tigre, um, a result which I'm not sure what it does to the league table. Actually, so I was going to bring it up now very quickly. Yeah, on Tigre to must be pretty high. Yeah, Tigre have been doing very well so far. But anyway, when I'll try and discuss some of the the main. was scored by the Chinese moon? El Chino Lula. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll discuss some of the main uh, talking points the last couple of rounds. That's a literal translation of the Charles, oh no, surname. Chino Lula. I, I realised the originality that you were coming out with. <laughs> so I applaud you for it. Um, it. We have to say that this match was more of a return to the norm for Argentinos uh, compared with the previous one because Argentinos' last match was a enormous departure from their previous form and I think one of the main talking points in a way of the weekend which was the round 7 matches because neither Argentinos nor Estudiantes had been involved in a decent game in a very very long time and it finished Estudiantes 4, Argentinos 3 after Argentinos managed a 92nd minute equaliser and then Estudiantes won it in the 93rd minute about 30 seconds after, after the restart with two goals from Gabriel Mercado and two own goals 
Um, and Mercado had an assist too, so yeah. he participated in <laughs> three right back. Goals. He participated in, in three of the four goals. Do we know how many goals Mate. he scored now for us? Yeah, yeah, there must be about eight or nine. Well, yeah. Yeah. you say that, um, Seba will probably readily <laughs> tell you how many he scored for Racing. Oh, well, Seba's made this point before. One goal in yeah. 99 games, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And I think he's so. about 10. No, because the, the difference yeah. is that for Estudiantes, he's played more as the right midfielder in a three, kind of three yeah, game. He's, he's quite advanced. As opposed to a, a fullback, as he was more. Uh, um, the, the, uh, the, interesting, the interesting thing was that when Russo was the uh, Racing manager, mm. Racing lost the game and uh, against Estudiantes and Mercado scored. Yeah, and then Russo after the after the game said, "You see our luck, even Mercado scores goals." Yeah. And now he's going. He went yeah. to Estudiantes. He's got Mercado. He he refused to play him as a starter in the first few matches. Now Mercado saves him because probably one more defeat would have been. Yeah, and the the end of uh, Russo at Estudiantes. Mercado scores twice. He's the man of the match. And then what what does Russo say uh, say at the at the press conference after the game? This is Estudiantes. <laughs> Things like this only happen with us, Estudiantes. This is a mystique of Estudiantes. He failed to say anything about Mercado. Um, I mean. Mercado has a, a jaw as defined as the word in a dictionary, uh, kind of like Joel Richards type. <laughs> type. It's massive yeah. jaw, yeah. Sorry, yeah. glorious jaw. <laughs> What's the deal with this? I wasn't aware of this. The jaw, you call it? You never noticed the jaw is a magnificent jutting jaw. I notice he's quite handsome, but. Who? Joel. <laughs> We should uh, we've now got the league table up in front of us and Tigre have gone fifth. Yeah, uh, after that victory, they're, they're just at the moment, for the moment anyway, while we're recording, two points behind Boca. But by the time, um, assuming Boca do win, then by the time this podcast goes online, they'll be five points behind Boca again. We've but Tigre very much in the chasing pack. Well, we've, we've talked about them a number of times, and the fact that they need to finish right near the top mm-hmm. in both uh, Apertura and Clausura to even avoid relegation. And they've been playing really well. Like we kind of thought that they were just sort of, I don't know, give up a little bit and. Because uh, it's going to be really tough for them, but they, they've always been. They're still in the automatic oh. relegation spots. We should mention because certainly since the Copa America, um, and we have to uh, to confess it's not entirely down to our own genius. Uh, thanks to getting Tim Vickery and Jonathan Wilson, and I think to some extent Joel as well as as guests during the off season, we have gained a few listeners. So it's possible there are some people out there who don't know how the Argentine relegation system works. Uh, and it, to cut a very long story short it's done over three seasons rather than just one so it's an entirely different table from the current league system and as a result of that we'll go into it in more depth later in the season when we get towards the end of the season when relegation is actually decided but as a result of that Tigre has screwed thanks to their performance in 2009-10 and really do as Dan says have to be challenging for the league in, in both of the short tournaments from this season in order to stay up at the moment they're doing fantastically and they're still going down automatically if the league yeah. was to finish tomorrow of course we have to consider that the unknown quantity in this league is that there's four teams playing their first season mm. so if they do well then Tigre might as well kind of pack up and go home but if yeah we've already got San Martin at the bottom of the pile uh, Munoz just above and then Bograno or Rafaela doing pretty well I think if they, the yeah. other two fall down and start getting in promotion it's going to work to Tigre's advantage because they're going to have the advantage as the team yeah. with three seasons behind them. Yeah, I think Tigre needs to f- they need to focus on San Lorenzo at the moment because mm. they're the first of the teams that are safe of, of, of those who played the three seasons. And at the moment Tigre are 12 points behind San Lorenzo. That, that, that means there, there's a long way to go yeah. uh, for Tigre. But I think that's the, 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 that's carrot, the, the carrot in front of them. Yeah. And they, they need to chase is San Lorenzo because mm. if they get level with San Lorenzo chances are they'll be okay because anyone thinking that, that Seba and, and that I in fact and saying this is how to do it uh, being slightly disingenuous here needs to consider that Seba has spent the large part of the last decade watching the promedios with Racing and I <laughs> spent the whole of That's last season doing line. it with River and ultimately line. unsuccessfully I've been following so promedios since we, we the early 80s <laughs> <laughs> of course yeah of course but uh, Particularly in the last yeah. kind of ten years, and at one point, in fact, Racing did go down. So both of us know what we're talking about when it comes to yeah. discussing the relegation table. I think now we've mentioned San Lorenzo probably gives us uh, as good an excuse as any to move on to what was probably the most exciting game of this round, which was um, San Lorenzo coming back from a goal behind to beat Vélez 
in the years away from home mm-hmm. and drag with themselves a very, out of the very goal as well. Yeah, like very, very low goal, yeah. Five seconds to play, literally. Yeah. Yeah, um, which was a fantastic result for them. It probably saved um, Omar Assad's job because mm-hmm. if they'd lost that, it would have been four in a row, I believe, they would have lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or something along those lines. And it's yeah. now, as well, five games in a row that Veles haven't won. They've got yeah. four losses and one, one draw in that time. Uh, the draw having come in, in the weekend match in round mm-hmm. seven. Is, is Ricardo Gareca fearing for his job, guys? I don't think so. That's a very stable club. I don't think yeah, it's a very good situation, I think. I know, it's <laughs> not as bad. Uh, not as bad yeah. as I was saying. <laughs> it's, well, kind of in Argentine terms, he's been there as long as Wenger, I think. Yeah, and, and two yeah. years nearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, multiplied by eight, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, it's like okay, Sunday afternoon, uh, 1 1 away, away to Neil's old boys, but the other lo- the losses were to Union, Olimpo, and all boys, and then this loss just out to San Lorenzo. Uh, which really shows that Vélez aren't going to be challenging for the title at all this season but no, no, yeah, that's really going I think they're a stable that. enough club to, to realise I think they might they might go for the sort of Americana this year mm. and yeah. well this is, yeah, this is what Gareca was, was saying in fact uh, yesterday in the press after the game he, he was mentioning that they're in one tournament now rather than, than two well yeah. one championship as you really should translate Torneo rather than two um, and we should mention actually the, the big match which was I guess the last round which was um uh, Lanús Boca, mm-hmm. which I went to, and, and a shout out to uh, Ag- actually uh, Agustina, the girl who uh, hosted me and, and took me to the game and, and gave me a Lanús shirt uh, very kindly. But yeah, and so Boca won there, um, somewhat surprisingly for me. I, I mean, they're both probably the two best teams in the league so far. And it was easily the best match in a way as well. It wasn't necessarily the most thrilling, but just in terms of the the quality of both teams yeah. you can see that they were a kind of that was really like, I don't know this is just from watching you know at the game I haven't seen replays or anything but uh, a lot of the Lanus' best players didn't step up uh, well perhaps it was Boca's midfield uh, you had guys uh, like Samosa playing really really well no I know what you mean I, I thought Lanus was struggling slightly to adapt so to guys like Camoranese and, and uh, Maleri were not playing as well as you would expect them to and, and I always got the sense that they, they've been playing against sides not necessarily bad sides so far this season, but sides who aren't as good as Boca are this season. No. Well, and they were just yeah. slightly struggling to adjust their game. Yeah, perhaps. Um, um, but Boca did a really good job on them, and, and you know it's not hard to win in Lanús. And so yeah. Boca from, from they, they, they went ahead quite uh, early. Boca yeah. went ahead early, and then Lanús brought it back, and then Boca scored. I can't remember in the second half. I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think it was a header from Erviti. Yeah, right. yeah, Erviti played little, really well. Boca yeah. took the lead five minutes in through the Atri, then there was uh, an own goal from Juan Manuel in Sorralde about 30 seconds into the second half. Yeah. And then while there, Erviti with about half an hour to play got the winner. Right, which considering he's about the size of a beaver, which was yeah. <laughs> very impressive. And disapp- yeah. disappointing for, for Lanús because he, is, he used to play for Banfield yeah. and yeah. won the league with Banfield and... Well, as Agostino was, was telling me, there was a lot of history with Fasioni as well, yeah, and Viti, yeah. and so, you know, the Lanús fans really don't like Boca at the moment, and, and they lost, so... And then Lanús, if, if we can continue with the story, like telling the story by teams, Lanús then went to Córdoba to play Belgrano, and in my opinion, Belgrano, they were robbed. I mean, there were mm-hmm. two real clear penalties. Oh, they were absolutely penalties, yeah. Amazing stuff from Lunati as well. Amazing in... The in a funny way, yeah. The referee Lunati, which is uh, some it's only one letter away from lunatic, and that's how he. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's and, a work. He is. And in my in my dictionary, you can spell it more or less like stupid or <laughs> idiot or whatever. <laughs> lots of lots of uh, synonyms for for him. And in one in one instance, uh, Camoranesi fouled uh, Franco Vasquez. He was so evident that he was a, he was a foul. And what did what did Lunati do? He went over there and showed a yellow to mm. Franco Vasquez for protesting or for diving or whatever. How can Franco and Vasquez protest if he's in Muda? Wait, this wasn't <laughs> Camoranesi, I don't think, I think that was Izquierdos. So no, 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 Izquierdos was, uh, he pulled the, the arm of Picante Pereira, yeah, Spicy that, Pereira. That was, was Camoranesi didn't play. And then Camoranesi, yeah, he played in the second half. Ah, uh, so he came on. Okay. Yeah, he came on as a sub and fouled. Vasquez that was the second inside. Yeah. We, we should say they were, they were denied two penalties yeah two penalties one, so, yeah. Yeah. and then Lanús hit the bar he, they could have won it and it, 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 it ended uh, in a near, with a nil-nil draw which 
doesn't help Lanús. Like they only got one point out of the last six. They still in the hunt, but uh, Gabriel Schurer, the manager, is getting criticized for not going after the game so much and not not really attacking, not not really trying to win games and focusing a lot on on the defensive aspect of, of the game. Um, and I should possibly mention here because throughout the season so far when Lanús have had a good result I've been saying how smug I am about how the fact that I predicted Lanús for the league before the start of the season so I'll just remind you all of that now that we're talking about two bad results for Lanús as well but in the interest of fairness yeah. just so yeah. that nobody can say what No but if you, if you have a look at the, at the league table They're still yeah. not very far off but they're definitely not joint no. top anymore yeah, 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 They won four, drew three and, and lost only one Against Boca, and but if you if you have a look at the table, uh, there's only Lanús of all the teams that have been doing well over the last two or three years. There's only Lanús up there, yeah. and then there's nowhere you can find Vélez, Estudiantes. Like Cruz in sort of semi consistently yeah. impressive. Well, Cruz in eighth, and then uh, Vélez Arfields thirteen. Uh, Estudiantes, well, Arsenal 18. 14th, we have to mention as well because we prefer not to. But <laughs> Banfield, they won the league recently. They're the last in the standings. Argentino Juniors, they won the league recently as yeah. well. Banfield, Banfield, we should say well done to because at the weekend in round seven, uh, two matches ago, they finally managed their first win. I think because I picked them to lose. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, they scored after six, six, six minutes. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The number that's of creepy, beasts. isn't it? I know. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're a Lanús fan, that's definitely something. Um, and then in, in, yeah, in someone, Greece, someone on Twitter said that someone from the southern Buenos Aires area sold uh, sold their, uh, his soul for a Banfield goal. He's <laughs> probably right. Well, in, yeah. in midweek they made it two goals in two games, and uh, they're now a huge two matches unbeaten. They've now drawn one and won one. Scored and they two. Score again, yeah. Making ten. Eight matches. It's um, not great. <laughs> uh, but Ricardo Lavolpe. The so. thing is, this has happened since. In, in Lavolpe, has now had two matches. Is it two matches? Three in matches. Three, three matches. The charge, they lost the first when he had one, yeah. almost no time to prepare. No, he just arrived. And really, since he actually had uh, had the chance to take charge of the team, they won one and drawn one, which compared with losing five games in a row before he took charge is is quite something. I only saw him briefly uh, the other night but he was he was chewing, he wasn't smoking. I think he was <laughs> chewing a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> That's what I think I, I, I'm not so sure. I have some sources. <laughs> No, I don't think that's it. We'll get back to listeners next week on that. What, what, what's happening with the that? I saw like um, Antonio Mohamed. He had a big cigar a few times <laughs> in the dugout. So Speaking of Mohamed and new managers, what about Ramon Diaz? Of course, he started with he started with a defeat against Colón. Colón, yeah. Of course, yeah. And we should also mention that Mohamed is now managing uh, Cholos in Mexico. Beside yeah. who Ingrid Dan told us about, uh, of course, his yeah. name means a very small a dog very small with a chihuahua. Yeah, a very small uh, dog with a chihuahua. Ago. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and Ramon Diaz at San Lorenzo has, has yeah. come well, in. Independiente. Independiente, sorry, you're right. I, I, I have to stop myself from typing San Lorenzo every time he plays. Right. Yeah, he lost his first one against Colón, but I think it was a similar thing. He'd only just come in. Exactly. And then they had a very good result midweek. Uh, they beat Rafaela. Yeah. They were, they were, the they were lucky. Goals. Yeah. Two, two goals halfway through the first half. Very in, 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 in quick succession, mm-hmm. succession uh, with uh, Lionel Nunez from long range. And, yeah, then, beauty, and then Brian Nieva uh, with a nice finish, uh, one-on-one with the keeper. And then in the second half, Rafaela scored quarter of an hour into the second half. And then they hit the bar. They they had a header that went really close. And in the last match, in the last play of the match, uh, you know those cases in which uh, you, you you consider yourself you lost the game. So Rafaela sent the keeper try and head the mm. ball. And the defense clear. And in the counter attack, Marevo Ferreira, who used to play for San Lorenzo and River. Like, same history of same Ramon Diaz. Has he ever played for Oxford United? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. We'll get back to you on that. We have to ask Rupert. We'll Maybe he's listening. Yeah. He'll be delighted to get a shout out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he claims we never mentioned him. It's, it's a lie. He's, he's never listened to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so Marevo hit it from half, almost 
almost from the halfway line the yeah, into an empty, empty net that, that was why it ended 3-1 but it was much closer than the scoreline suggests mm-hmm. but anyway it's, it's a great win for Independiente they're only the second defeat for Rafaela mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken and both have come at home and the first one was against Arsenal and I think it was the same scoreline 3-1 I'm not so sure yeah, they do send the shit goals yeah. when they lose uh, they've been winning basically <laughs> and if anybody with a sense of disposition I'll just clarify Australian Nandu said shit <laughs> goals not quite anything else that's good yeah. but it seems to be a bit of a recurring theme for our Santa Fe sides to be crap at home which yeah. brings yeah. some lovely nicely to I don't think we've talked about this one this one subject with uh, Colón it's just a little bit of trivia which has just kind of been one of my favourites the last couple of weeks um, we've had awful home form pretty much for the last two years or so mm. and also of course um, Argentina couldn't win in both their games in the um, Elephants Elephants Graveyard so basically an uproar was created in the last couple of weeks because the oh, directors decided to right. take down um, yeah, an yeah. image of the uh, Virgen de, de Guadalupe just kind of like a Mary statue yeah a Mary statue yeah loads of fans kind of were up in arms and there's this one kind of one fan who also happens to be a priest who's kind of led the campaign against the directors now they even had to put an official statement out saying we didn't take it away for like a Malawanda for bad vibes we took it away to get it restored and cleaned and we're going to put it back up and it just came out in the news today that they're not entirely sure where they place <laughs> which has got this um, this priest who's got a wonderful name I think his first name's Axel or something and he's yeah is his surname Rosse? I don't think it's Axel Rosse no unfortunately it would be brilliant if that's where the ex-Guns and Roses front front man ended up yeah, yeah. a, a lot of people don't seem entirely sure you know, exactly and yeah he's not very happy about that so let's hope you know they find it for the good of the souls of all Cologne fans and players <laughs> otherwise it could be yeah ironically they're, 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 they're really slashing Cologne for <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, this uh, again they think they won away from home at the weekends and then they only drew yeah. yeah but they only drew but right after they removed the statue of Mary yeah. uh, for, for, of the Virgin Mary from from the dressing room, yeah. the room or whatever it was I think it's up in the stands or something like right that. right up. Was it? Yes, okay. yeah. As soon as they removed this image, they beat San Lorenzo at home, and three-one yeah. was a very comprehensive win. So yeah. that's the only one they've won at home this year. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I'd also like to. We've just talked about Rafaela and, and about San Lorenzo a bit as well, and so I'd like to give Godoy Cruz a quick mention because if you look at the league table in terms of the goals scored, certainly in the top half of the table anyway. Uh, hmm. Rafaela and San Lorenzo are two of the teams who if you want to see goals in Argentina you should try and get to a game of but the one who can absolutely guarantee you goals and this has been a theme throughout the year so far because it was exactly the same in, in the in the clausura is Godoy Cruz who so far in eight matches have scored 14 and conceded 11 yeah. which is a ridiculous result and I think yeah. a lot of it has to do with the fact that frequently when they win games they win them by a couple right. and when they lose games they seem to get absolutely thrashed I remember at the start yeah, they almost 6-1 a couple of weeks ago at the start of the class, saw last year they got smashed something like 5-0 at home to Arsenal yeah they lost to Racing 3-0 yeah, yeah. If, if you want entertainment in football in Argentina then don't don't come to Buenos Aires go over to Mendoza yeah. <laughs> we're doing we're trying to get to a Godoy Cruz game well yeah if, if anybody's prepared to pay for our coach tickets we will I'd, I'd, we'll, we'll talk about that come to Buenos Aires to watch Godoy Cruz on the road yes that's very good have a weekend thank you sir yeah we should just mention that myself and Australian Dan with English Dan as well have started a tour we won't call it company because that makes it sound a little bit too legal perhaps we won't call it organisation cooperative let's say uh, to take you to games and I'll try to provide a link to both of our, our pages they're, they're both exactly the same post is it a church you started something it's like kind of a cult yeah, yeah. yeah. no it's exactly yeah. alright all right. it's called Buenos Aires Football Detours which is a play on words or a pun <laughs> some people call it anyway if you want to go to a Godoy Cruz away game in Buenos Aires then please get in touch but they've this midweek game that they've had is, is actually relatively boring for them because it was a 1-1 draw at home to Union which was just before I left the house in fact to, to come here it was, it was just this evening um, but prior to that they had a 2-2 draw away to, to Olimpo they're kind of 
they took a while to get going, but they've caught light in the last couple of weeks and started playing more like the Godoy Chris that we knew. But they're dropping points again now. Yeah. Do we think they can press on and start to challenge for the title? Because they're not that far behind still. Uh, if Boca were to drop any points today, let's say, I they could don't only... think. Nah. Five no. points behind already. Boca winning tonight will yeah. be yeah. eight points clear of I think they're likely to be concentrating on the Sudamericana more than anything, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, just do you guys see really anybody? Well, I know who I know what you, you two are going to say. <laughs> do you guys see anybody challenging Boca for the title? No, I don't. Lanús can still no, be Boca. Up there. Boca are the clear. Racing, no. Nah, they're Racing fans, so they've been too used to having their expectations lifted. We can't. Yeah. We can't say that Racing are going to fight the title. I, I think I have to say one. Sarah's <laughs> making faces. We we should. I'd, I'd like to to point out that at this stage, after everybody's played eight times, apart from Boca and Estudiantes, who've only played seven. But at the moment, at the time of recording, Boca and Racing are the only two sides who have yet to lose. Mm. Personally, I agree with Seba and Dan about Racing. I, I think that, it, as, as I've said many times before, and as I've said, I mean no offence to Racing fans here, but it's what Racing do. Usually it explodes early. Usually it explodes early. What did that mean when he was making strange faces? I don't know. Yeah, I was making faces, because <laughs> deep down I think... <laughs> I think Racing should have enough mm. at least to challenge until well, until like, Racing yeah. go to La Bombonera on game week That's 15 absolutely four crazy. weeks before yeah. the end uh, of the title decided I see you've already marked that in your calendar yeah. of course so in other words we're, we're going to lay off any predictions about Racing's tournament uh, title challenge until right. no, uh, until that game I'm saying until 15 minutes left of the 19th fixture we can we can start predicting <laughs> or after if, if I could, it's interesting actually like um, and I was I went to Racing's game last night with um, Newell's own boys which finished a uh, 1-0 win to Racing with a beautiful goal which should have been 3 I must say should've I was having a little minute for argument with yeah, Simeone thought it was it should have been 5-3 five, 5-0 five in the first half to Racing 3-0 yeah, to Newell's it was a win for Racing which puts us up to second one point behind Boca obviously Boca I thought this going to play and a lot of people like making the point that they can't remember a time where it was actually just um, Boca and Racing fighting directly against each other for the title I mean, mm. can you think of any I mean, like, lots of people can't even remember yeah. a time when it was two of the big five, full stop. Mm. Never mind. But I think kind of <laughs> I think kind of historically, even kind of. Mm. Yeah, we've we have a very good question. You should yeah. ask me yeah. before well, we go. Historically speaking, they tended to peak yeah. at different times. I think you're right. No, I remember in in eighty eight, eighty nine, that season, uh, Racing won the Super Cup, which was tournament that doesn't exist anymore. Is this the Argentine Super Cup? No, the South American. The South American. Okay. The, it was played every year by, by every club that ha- ever won the Copa Libertadores uh, before. <laughs> so it was always the same club. So this was like a predecessor of the Copa Sudamericana. Not, well, not exactly. No, I, I know, but the Copa, uh, the Copa Sudamericana equivalent didn't exist at this time, which is why they had time to play this. No, they had the, the Copa Libertadores and then... Uh, yeah. Nothing else, and so right. so the Copa Sud- the, the Super Copa Sudamericana uh, played the first edition in 1988, mm-hmm. and you had the, all the Argentine teams that have won the Copa Libertadores before that, uh, Argentinos Juniors and the Big Five, oh, just well, Argentine the big sides. four of the Big Five because Lorenzo mm-hmm. never won it. Just Argentine. No, 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 no. Well, Estudiantes was also playing there, and then the, all the Brazilian clubs no, that okay. won the Copa Libertadores, plus Peñarol, Peñarol Nacional. Nacional yeah. An Olympia, uh, an exclusive club that yeah. you couldn't get out of. Exactly, yeah, you qualified automatically. Racing qualified automatically by winning by winning the Copa Libertadores in '67. Yeah. We had perennial access to this Copa, Copa Super Copa, sorry. And Racing won the first edition, beating Cruzeiro in the final. And that same team was also challenging for the for the league under Alfio Basile. And then at the end of the first round, the, the, the first um, uh, half of the season, uh, Racing played Boca at home, and Navarro Montoya, the goalkeeper, kind of a, something like a bomb exploded near this guy, Navarro Montoya. The game was suspended, and Racing got docked points. Sorry, and this is 89 clarifying because Navarro Montoya is still playing now. Yeah, I don't think he's playing anymore. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Recently. He's got a Instituto or somebody in Cordoba, I have a feeling. But he's, he's, got, a, he's got a radio show in Spain. <laughs> yeah. so, seriously. Yeah, he writes for Marca, I think, as well. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think he still plays. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was certainly still playing definitely last season or the season before. I've seen him like a year ago, at least. No. In Argentina fairly recently as well. 
Um, so I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Maybe during the sixties when Boca had their kind of legendary team of Ratin and then Racing, obviously, you know, first champions of the world. Uh, Racing, yeah. Must have had a couple. One of, one of the leagues. Then, one of the leagues that Racing, that Racing won. I think it was fifty-eight. Mm. It was uh, Racing won the league at La Bombonera and they had this uh, Vuelta Olimpica yeah. uh, to La celebrate Bombonera. at La Bombonera. And, but yeah, I don't remember exactly no. uh, a, a league in which both teams yeah. went all the way. It would be great if, if, yeah. if that happened. Oh, yeah, actually, in '95 was when Racing beat Boca 6 4. And they were both fighting for the, t- mm. for the title, but Vélez won it. Sorry, 6-4. 6-4 at La Bombonera. Maradona was playing for Boca, and I was at the, at the stadium. Bloody hell. Yeah. Maradona and McAllister were playing together, and now they hate each other. They yeah. throwing bombs uh, yeah. through the media. First of all, I think Lanusi are, are going to pick up remain challenges, because Boca, aren't, I don't think, are going to go the whole tournament, sorry, the whole championship undefeated. Yeah. And secondly, I, I'm really starting to think that Rafaela... Uh, it's going to be up there. Well, we talked about the San Lorenzo match as the, the, the first litmus test, and they won it. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, the other thing is, it's not like we've not seen this in recent seasons. I mean, when Tigre won promotion in 2007, was it? They almost ended up winning the league that season as well. Well, I'll, I'll do your Lanus prediction at the start of the season, because I said at the, before even the season, I said Raffaello would be a, a team that would be up there. Do we have that on record, Dan? Do we... Mm-hmm. It was probably on the podcast that I said that. Okay. I remember you saying Bamfield would, would do I well. I did say Bamfield, yeah. <laughs> but you guys said Bellas as well. I mean, where, no, no, where's no, Bellas now? No, that's what everybody said. Yeah, Silva Morales, uh, yeah. before Silva Morales left, they were quite good. And Estudiantes yeah. was another. Anyway, the, just think, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give the rough standings <laughs> just now, just in case we've missed any of the, the results. Because as we say, we've, we've had two rounds to take charge of, and uh, at least one of us turned up already fairly drunk to this report. <laughs> so so as, as it stands at the moment, and we do apologise again for having to record before Boca Estudiantes, Boca top and will be top either by one point or by two points or by four, four points. Um, Racing is second on 16. Atletico Rafaela also have 16 in first those two are joint second Lanusa fourth and Tigre fifth on 15 Colón have got 15, 15 as well we've not even really discussed Colón as title challenges but they've all got identical 1-4 drawn 3 lost 1 um, very similar records indeed and even Belgrano are only two behind that but I think we can probably make the, the title cut off that 15 points for the moment we'll obviously see what happens after the next round and next week when we know what the Boca result is and then what the weekend results is are this week yeah if Belgrano were not robbed they would have they would have been also on 15 no no this would only have been on 14 yeah mm. yeah. I'm going to put the microphone down very briefly now where those of us with Fernet are going to recharge our glasses um, and then we'll come back for Australian Dan's sorry Mystic Dan's uh, predictions for round 9 and then a couple of questions that we've had from a couple of listeners on Twitter so don't go away We've got an interesting week coming up with, with San Martin against Rafaela. That's two of the promoted sides. And in fact, they're doing exactly the opposite of each other. Rafaela are doing very well, San Martin very poorly. We've also got the Clásico de los Juniors between Argentinos and Boca. Which is, which is in no way a real life Clásico, I should just say. It's something I've made up myself. The real Clásico of the week? Or just gonna let no, the real, real Clásico of the week is San Lorenzo Racing. But without further ado... Without further ado, yes, thank you. Yeah, and Dory Kelnick, Classico as well. Without further ado, we're going to hand over to Australian Dan, who's donned his silly hat and cape, hat, yeah. and is going to read us out what the results will be this weekend. Put all of your money on all of these matches going the right way, preferably an accumulator. Absolutely. Well, we have Olimpo Arsenal, it's going to be a draw. San Martín de San Juan, Rafaela, draw. Independiente, Vélez, draw. Tigre is going to be always. Uh, San Lorenzo is going to be Racing Boca is going to win away to Argentinos Estudiantes is going to be Belgrano What happened guys? What I'm going to beat you He's <laughs> never going to beat Dan Union <laughs> 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 Banfield draw Lanús to beat Colón And Godoy Cruz to beat Newell's away That's some bright predictions though. <laughs> Given who we're sitting here with at least <laughs> 
I mean, I'm, I'm really scared. No, but I'm, but I'm scared because... You're going to appreciate it when I dunk your crossing. Yeah, I do, I do. I mean, but I, I, this yeah. time I'm really scared because you did this in front of us and you were drunk already. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really afraid you're going to get 10 out of 10 <laughs> for the first time. It'll be the first time you got over... Five is probably a... Probably, yeah. And as, I, as I've mentioned before as well, since it's now my one of my jobs to try and put a little more analysis into this than Australian Dan does, it is really <laughs> bloody hard to... No, merely that you pick them entirely at random, nothing else. But it is really bloody hard to actually work out who's going to win because however much research you put into who's suspended for who and who's injured and whatever... The other team always ends up winning when they shouldn't do. It's, it's possibly the well. Actually, this game is coming up tonight. Uh, it's just the kind of game where yeah. it just seems clear cut. Yeah. Boca's going to win. It's yeah. just the kind of game that Sudiensis will win. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd like to get on to a couple of questions that we've had from listeners because I think they're, Go ahead, they're, both, they're both quite good. The first one is from. I'm afraid that I'm not 100% sure of your Twitter username, and we don't have it up in front of us. But M- MK Vad. The Norwegian uh, General La Madrid fan who asked us about them uh, a few weeks ago, who's been asking us whether we can talk about the organisation of the Copa Argentina, which is already taking place, and which he's quite rightly said is not really explained very well on the on the AFA website. Um, he needs to su- subscribe to the whatever Dan and I yeah, subscribe to without knowing yeah. it. Um, but we get emails like get probably an email a day from the organisers of the Copa Argentina. What I will say is, I tried to subscribe to that thing after we recorded last week's episode, and I couldn't. I couldn't work out how the bloody only. We, we don't remember doing it, but we get constant updates, yeah. which are not very informative, but. They give us, you know. I think they're trying to build like a, uh, a folklore around the competition already, and yeah. just kind of bring it up into something, something big. Yeah, we've, we've discussed it very briefly before I had the pod. It's it's now well underway. Um, it's the, the third edition of this competition, which last took place in something like 1972 or something, wasn't it? Seven, which is like a the way that the Argentine press say it is. It's like the Copa del Rey. Why they don't like it to the FA Cup, given that's a far older competition, I don't know. But I don't think they say English. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that's, that's. I don't think they know what they. They just they look at it. They might know a little bit of English, and they just see fuck up. So yeah, no, might I, I, I have to say as well that the, I, I, I did see one semi-official kind of proper media website last year report one of the League Cup matches as being an FA Cup match in England because they got confused between the two. Um, but the the Copa Argentina is essentially it's a seeded draw. The 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 20 first division sides or the big five plus some of the other teams have been put into four kind of pots which will come in at is it the last 32 stage so, or the last 64 or something well I'm checking and, that one but and they've, they've separated the classicos out so for instance River and Boca can only meet in the final Vélez and Huracan uh, sorry Vélez and Ferro can only meet in the final Huracan San Lorenzo Good. can only meet in the final Good. and so on Independiente Racing as well if we're talking about slightly lesser matches one, one advice for those who are really interested you in this notice. go to www.santamonica altogether.com.ar A-R, slash Copa Argentina altogether.pdf and there's give a link every, everything <laughs> I'll try and get a link to that up yeah, yeah. you probably yeah. need to speak Spanish though to be honest if you scroll Reach. down you have all the format of the ah. competition and yeah. it's pretty it's pretty easy to well, just email Dan Edwards and he'll forward you the emails yeah. the daily emails about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah we Dan's very good at that he really, he really really enjoys getting unsolicited mail as well so please do I really should. at the moment we're into the, the latter stage of the qualifiers and then the competition proper uh, which starts off with the uh, the the 32ths of final. <laughs> so you've got the quarterfinals, the 1-8th final is the last 16, the, the 1-16th final is the last 32, yes, it's the last 64. That'll be the top two leagues, which is 40 teams plus the 24 that have come through this kind of gargantuan yeah. qualifying period. Yeah, so we, on, we're on already seeing teams like that are famous that have been in the first division like Platense they have already played they won they advanced El Porvenir the closest team to my first home uh, near near Avellaneda they, they play, yeah. and they won on penalties uh, they, they advanced too so it's getting it's getting some interest in the, in the, in the media as well mm. um, they have been lots of and lots of uh, penalty shootouts to decide because every time there is a draw they play penalties. Is it two legged? 
I think it's only one leg. But as, as from the yeah. point, the 32th of final, as we could translate it from. <laughs> as, as from that round, I think it, it might be one of the rounds at least is two legged. Because they've got the, the dates just up on this very first page that we're looking at. No, but l- let me. Um, <laughs> if I, sorry, if I scroll down. Anyway, the, 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 first, the first round proper, which is, as English done uh, slightly incorrectly uh, translation wise puts it it's is the last 64 if you want to be boring and not call it the 32th final <laughs> um, it's going to be played over uh, kind of a period between November no sorry between October and November and then the subsequent rounds from the last 32 onwards will be played March, April and May next year so it's all going to be become it's a slightly disjointed tournament I think in, in, in that case to follow I think it might well be the case that we lose interest slightly uh, given the gap um, yeah maybe the f- the second part of the year, in this case 2011, yeah. no high-profile teams will take place. And then for the later stages, they play in the first half of the year, and we, in this case the first edition 2012. And from then on, yeah, you will see big teams playing uh, home and away from the yeah. 16th of, uh, well, the... Eight finals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the round of sixteen. Yeah. Um, we, we should also just mention, as far as I'm aware, the the venue for the final hasn't been decided yet. It's it's probably going to be the Monumental, but they've been talking as well about having it in Cordoba or possibly having it in one of Buenos yeah, Aires, Grand Buenos Aires, or the stadium. Ferro Vélez as well. Yeah, almost definitely. I think that's that's a, a given. Or Atlanta Chacarita, maybe. <laughs> They will play from, from round of 16 yeah. all the way to semi-finals, home and away, and then the final will be just like the Copa del Rey and FA Cup in one okay, so it's, it's, different venue, okay. which will be decided by the organizers, so maybe if Rio advance to the final, it they will play in a different yeah. stadium. And well, I've said that maybe if River advance to the Monumental, it, it will be in the Monumental in, for the final, depending on how biased the AFA field might be. No, I think they, they will That's choose a neutral, neutral ground. You'd like to think so, but I'm just... And the final will be played on the 22nd of May, uh, to, uh, yes. 2012. Long time away. Oh, it's a long time. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I like the competition. You guys. I'm really looking forward. I've said before. I think it's a very transparent attempt to get more TV money and mm. more TV exposure. But regardless of the motivation for doing it, I think it's no, a very it's good, good idea, and, and I like it. No, well, let's face it. There, there wasn't a lot of football uh, going on in Argentina compared to other countries, yeah. and there's only 38 matches. Uh, in one year like yeah. 19 matches of the Apertura and 19 yeah. of the Clausura and that's it if, they if they're not playing Continental Cup competitions so I'm really looking forward for, for this excitement for to having an, a, another team getting a, an official <coughs> trophy and I think yeah. I, when I see that this Copa America has been introduced now I'm thinking of all the football we, we've missed, we have missed uh, in my childhood. I would have loved to see uh, semi-finals of Copa Argentina, Racing, Independiente. Copa Argentina, we should say, because you said Copa America. So Did I say Copa America? So Sorry, no, Copa Argentina. Copa but it'll, it'll be great to see, obviously, you, you would think some of the you know, teams like whatever, Chacarita, Ferro, some, somebody is going to have a run in the Copa. Yeah, it'll be great yeah. to see them playing against the big teams. You know? One of the interesting things that I, I thought we'd mentioned is that the, the Copa America, Argentina has been played twice before in 1969 and in 1970 um, and the 1970 edition never actually finished because I'm not sure what the teams just couldn't be bothered to, <laughs> to play out their matches or something I'm um, that <laughs> the, the English language Wikipedia for it <laughs> yeah, the, the English language Wikipedia for it says that San Lorenzo and Vélez um, both qualified for the final and that the first leg of the final was played in March 1971, even though it was the 1970 final, and that the second leg just never ended up being played. Apparently, um, I heard that before. And, and the first leg having been a draw, it was it was two two. Yeah. Nobody's won it. I, I, personally, I'd love it if San Lorenzo and Belas were right. made to play for the revenge match. P- perhaps during the Torneo de Verano this year, uh, are made to to play the the Ida of that. Preferably with the original players. Yeah. It could be hilarious, yeah, especially like in the Mar del Plata side. But that's that question. Uh, the other one was from um, Connor. Uh, Jose Dolores says, if anybody wants to follow him on Twitter. Um, and he was asking, and I think it's quite a good question, is what exactly the clubs 
get from giving benefits or supporting the Barra Bravas other than just the votes for the presidential elections that the Barras can deliver. And Seb, I wanted to kind of direct this one at you, because I guess having lived here for longer and having been far more just immersed in, in the football yeah, here than, than we have been just through growing up, you could probably give a better answer to this. Well, I, I don't know what the club's presidents get for supporting the Barabravas, but it's easy to see what they don't get and mm. it's that's a bullet to the head maybe or, 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 or a family member you don't get the banners bothering you in the training sessions exactly, every single week exactly. you don't get them bursting into, in, into the dressing rooms and threatening to put yeah. bullets in your knees or whatever so. yeah no the problem is is so ingrained it's so deep it's, it's so deep that you can't risk if you're if you're a club president you, you, you probably could at your own risk but I'm not so sure you will go against the Barra Bravas who know who you are know yeah. where your kids go to school because if they do something chances are they're, they're going to go unpunished like the, the, the justice system is not working properly another big big uh, factor in this is that the Barras are really connected to uh, go to the government and not only this government they have been since as long as we can remember, and that's the problem. They 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 go support the president of the president of one club, and then they go to support the governor of a province, and like they're really linked, and they go to whoever pays them. What they do, uh, apart from threatening you and, and putting you under enormous pressure if you're a club president, they sing against you. They put banners that that. We saw the effect of this right. out just yes. recently with, with, Independiente. Uh, Independiente. with Independiente letting Antonio Mohamed yeah. go in first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they used to love him after yeah. he won Copa mm-hmm. Sudamericana with them. So I think if I could add kind of one thing, because this is something I've researched a little bit, I've you know, written for various people about this subject, about the Barra. And I think we should probably kind of state to start with that violence in Argentine football didn't start with the Barra Brava. It existed, you know, there's shocking scenes before you know the Abada really took hold but basically what the Abada did in the first place was seen almost as positive because what they did was basically institutionalise the violence and contain it so instead of having say a whole stand going crazy and fighting each other you had kind of these people in the middle sort of kind of controlling what they did if you can imagine kind of a 1930s style prohibition era Chicago (laughs) these are kind of like the gangsters he said right we're going to take control of the violence, no one else can, which is great, you know, you're going to have less spontaneous craziness, but at the same time, it becomes a form of extortion, like, now they can turn around and say... They become extremely powerful, huh? Yeah, say if the directors want to kind of make a move against them, they're going to say, right, well, we're going to withdraw our support and everyone else is just going to start fighting each other, you're going to have a lot more problems without us and with us. I think that's where a lot of the problems come in, especially kind of further down the league system, you go where these clubs have more of the... Uh, these batter have more of the power you know in the mm-hmm. third division fourth division a protection racket where they hold the key and they they say I don't know if there's that much truth in it now you know with cameras and police and stuff but they say right we're going to control what happens in the stands if you try and cross us then we'll just withdraw that and you can see what happens I think the truth is something in it. I mean, most people at, don't want to see what happens you look at the Independiente Racing uh, Classico that was played a couple of years ago in Vélez Stadium mm-hmm. when Independiente's Barra Brava were asked to provide the security in the independent at the end because they knew that the police weren't going to be able to go in that end of the stadium yeah. uh, safely and so the Barra were given uniforms yeah. and were That's given a few times in security and all of this yeah we've all seen like in the, in the Barra sections of the stadium yeah. if the police try to come in there if there's a fight or something breaks out between Barras and the police try to come in the, the police just absolutely yeah. Yeah. Slaughtered. Yeah. I mean, like they, they can't go in there. Yeah, speaking yeah. of Independiente, they have been like some sort of a division. It happened with River as well. Uh, some sort of division be, be, between the common fan and the Barras. Yeah. Mm. And they 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 are against each other. Yeah. And sometimes the Barra will start singing something offensive to all the team mm. or player or manager. And the, and the, the, the common fans will, will try yeah. to silence them. And this happens here at Racing as well at times, kind of not to the same extent, kind of. Uh, maybe the battle will start singing kind of very like anti-player or anti-director yeah. songs and the Racing fans will come up with you know just a which I'm kind of like so I did Racing like yeah, you know, just to I'm Racing yeah. that's all I am yeah, yeah. yeah. but the, the thing is that got me yeah 
the, the, the problem was uh, evident a couple of weeks ago with Independiente. The common fans on one of the stands, they were singing, if you love Independiente, you have to vote in the elections. Some, yeah. some, uh, song like that. It's a catchy tune. It's available. It's available on CD. And what happened? They were singing, that was a peaceful song, mm. encouraging other fans yeah. to do something, to actually vote against this president, mm. Julio Comparada, if they don't like him. Uh, but it wasn't like s yeah. singing something like to, to break something or to mm. go fight against somebody. And what happened? The Barra Brava uh, went into that stance with knives and they threatened the, the, the Independiente fans. They were supposedly, the Barra Brava fans are, uh, the Barra Brava are also independent mm. fans but they're yeah. not obviously they're just they just go there yeah. with the money is where, yeah. where the money is and they actually threaten the common fans another singing against Comparada yeah. so another thing know, you do the math you another do, thing we saw recently in Independiente was that the uh, the common fans as you say so kind of set up an, a, a, a secondary barra almost albeit not violent in the, the popular opposite, the Barra Brava swamps, the one underneath the away end, in, in the other end of the stadium from where the Barra normally gather, for the last but one home game, I think the last home game of, of Mohammed. I think it was against Colón, uh, the, first, the first game of... Uh, yeah. and, and they were singing songs more in support of the of the club, generally, of the team on the pitch and everything, and, and trying to get aside from the, Not necessarily fans who wanted Mohammed to stay, but just fans who had a major problem with the way that the Barra were having so much say in the club. Um, and so yeah, I think in, in answer to the question, it's just it's inevitable. They're so ingrained in the culture, in the footballing culture, and in the overall culture, the political culture of the country as well, the social makeup of the place. That even though the vast majority of football fans here would, would say that the Barra are not fans, they're something else entirely. Which is a point I'd like to make to one of my followers, particularly on Twitter, who was having an argument with me. Well, not an argument exactly last week, but suggested that that Barra Bravas were in some way just fans who are more passionate about the game than other you people. can see the way during the match they're not even looking at the match they're, yeah. they're facing exactly. the opposite direction they tend to other people to shout that, yeah. and the bizarre thing is that there are often even at some of the really big clubs where we're watching Boca Estudiantes come out of the pitch at the moment on the television even at some of the clubs like Boca and River the Barra Brava would often just be a few hundred people in one particular area of a stadium which might have 50,000 60,000 spectators in but they have such an enormous Influence over the the atmosphere at the game, what goes on institutionally at the club, and all of the rest of it. So that, that's why we thought it was a good question, and yeah. one that was at least worth addressing. And hopefully, we'll be able to come back to it in a bit more detail when we have more time. Yeah. I think if we could probably like sum it up, you know, the, directly the question, you'd say it's not so much what the presidents have to gain from being with the Barra, it's what they'd have to lose from being without them. Exactly, exactly. And another thing that we should mention is that. Some some presidents say Independiente's president is it Gamis? Is it, is no, it Gamis? Julio Comparada is Independiente's president. Uh, sorry, uh, Velez's former Velez president was Gamis. Yeah, and, and he was an ex Barra Brava. Yeah. There's at least one of the president of a pre-Barra at the moment who's an ex Barra Brava. Yeah, he says with pride he tells the story how he fought the English in '86 in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, he tells the story with with, with great yeah, great pride. The kind of people, yeah. Wait, yeah. yeah. Mm. So yeah, if you're ever in, um, fortunately, if, if you're ever, if you come to Argentina and, and get talking to any Argentines in bars, who, particularly if you're English, this might happen. You get talking to so many of them about football that at some point they'll mention hooligans with a kind of smile on their faces if you think they're a good thing. Just grin and nod along is my my suggestion. They're not necessarily about Rabrau. It's very unlikely they are, but they might well be people who wish they were or like to pretend they are. Um, and it's not a good idea to say no I think they're all idiots we've been recording for some time so I'm going to close this now we, we, as we record we're currently five minutes away from the start of Boca versus Estudiantes so once again I'll apologise for the fact that we had to record before the league leaders played their match but we will be back within the week uh, because there's no midweek match to mess up our schedule next week with another edition of Hand of Pod, if you can possibly stand more drunk and rambling. Um, <laughs> for now, it's <laughs> it's goodbye from Australian Dan. Good night. Goodbye from English Dan. Good night. Goodbye from Argentine Seba. Ciao, pizza's ready. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Yeah, goodbye from me. Goodbye. <laughs>